We're live. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kind of Funny Screencast. Each and every week right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games, we get together to talk about TV, movies, and streaming services. I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the movie bros herself, Joey Noel. Hello. It feels like it's been a long time since I've been on this. The Butterfinger Man, Kevin Coelho. Excuse me. Immediately leaves. There we oh, go, there baby. We go. There, there we go. go. This episode's not brought to you by Butterfinger, but I really wish that it was. Kev, how you feeling? You're looking like a little Butterfinger right oh, now. Oh, man, I'm feeling like I'm ready to game better, if you know what I mean, with Butterfinger. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, you can see God. Paula doing lawn. Oh, wait. Prepping Cecil in the background for to take him to the backyard to go potty. Exciting stuff. Exciting He's stuff. He's so cute. Purely He's riveting. Cute. Ladies and gentlemen, you can watch this show live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, or you could watch it later on youtube.com slash kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to listen to it, search your favorite podcast service for Kinda Funny Screencast, and we'll be there for you. You can get the show ad-free by going to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, just like our Patreon producers did. Mohammed Mohammed, Cameron Reagan, Steve Powers, Lee Polero, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, Kieran O'Donnell, and Drew Garnier. Thank you all for all of your support. And also, shout out to our sponsor, Honey. Thank you for supporting this show and helping keep us going. That's how we go. How's that Butterfinger, Kev? Oh my god, I hated that. I did not like that face. I didn't like it's that also face weird that there's no sound. I don't sound. like that he's on mute. It's so hard, but I guess I prefer it that way. Oh, <laughs> you did not god. want to hear the noise, the noise associated with that face, Tim. Let's get into the news, ladies and gentlemen. Um, starting off with a story that we've kind of been talking about for the last couple months here, which is going to be the first movie to make it back into theaters. Um, pretty much every major blockbuster that we've known to be coming this summer uh, pretty much from march on has been delayed with the exception of one do you guys remember what it is i yeah uh, but i also see it on the dock so i feel like i'm cheating uh, even though i remember it is it no time to die is it wonder woman is no it those both got delayed guessing i don't remember Tenet. Christopher Nolan's Tenant is right. what we were looking for. Um, and this has been kind of a weird, bizarre thing that the last couple of weeks we've talked about, you know, kind of the the different theater chains kind of holding out hope that Tenet's going to be the return to theaters in mid-July. And I, I thought it was kind of bizarre that so far this movie hasn't been pushed when other wow. movies make any from sense. the same uh, distributor are being pushed. So we got some quotes here. Quote, Chris really would like to be coming out with the film that opens theaters, IMAX CEO Richard Gelfond said on a recent earnings call. I don't know anyone in America who's pushing harder to get the theaters reopened and to get his movie released than Chris Nolan. Uh, so that's certainly the message that Nolan has relayed to the exhibition community. He has pledged to finish the film's extensive post-production and visual effects work in the coming weeks and is fully committed to delivering the picture in time for its mid-July release date, despite the fact that social distancing has left many crew members fine-tuning things remotely. Uh, Nolan, who penned an op-ed in the Washington Post arguing that movie theaters represent a vital part of social life and must be preserved, has assured exhibitors that he will do anything he can to help them get back on their feet. Plans are still being worked out, but theaters are hoping hoping to mount an advertising campaign utilizing A-list filmmakers urging the public to return to theaters. <laughs> uh, Nolan could be one of the first, one of the people featured in those spots and materials. Um, then there's just a whole whole bunch of other stuff here. But a high-profile blockbuster will be the biggest draw for movie theaters, said Paul 
Derubigian, a senior analyst at Comscore. People have been watching older movies at home and rewatching TV shows. To have something brand new like Tenet or Mulan is going to be hugely important to get people incredibly excited to go. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on this, guys? I feel like this is dumb. Like I, I can't imagine the first big movie release to be a successful one. Like mm-hmm. you have to think that like people are going to be uncomfortable with the idea of uh, after doing being in this for two to three months, going into a movie theater with possibly even if it's half full, like I don't know how many people, 150 yeah. people in the movie theater, and on top of that, if they're doing stuff where it's like maybe a movie theater is half full, um, th- then that's less tickets. You good? Fair. Yeah. Yeah, I it, the thing that like struck me as the funniest is like the PSA with like filmmakers of like come back to theaters. Like that seems like a weird call, and I don't know that that's necessarily going to be like super effective. Like, yeah, it's it's weird because you know there's definitely the health and safety side of this, then yeah. the political side. That's kind of like, ooh, that's definitely <clears throat> uh, inadvisable to be pressuring people to be put into unsafe situations right now when we're still not at a point that we're out of the woods. Um, But I do think that, you know, being a little less cynical looking at it, I think that the the messaging and the the ideology behind it is in the right place. And I do think that there's going to need to be a concerted effort of movie fans to support theaters when it is safe to do so, uh, to be able to get them back on their their feet and, you know, to get people comfortable with the idea of this, because we are so close to this entire Hollywood system crumbling before us. And if that were to be the case like movies will never be the same like kev all the things you brought up are are so true um about like tenet being this this big movie that like the nolan movies are are huge spectacle films like they are films right and i feel in some ways this is the absolute last movie that would that should be the one out the gate kind of trying to get people back in um because i feel like already it doesn't have the disney marvel branding behind it it's just oh it's the next christopher nolan movie so it's like the people that know what that means are excited but it's not necessarily a billion dollar franchise it's a new ip right yeah every time it's an it's a new ip and the movies do very well because no i mean um, not every time he did the batman movies which is a known ip and no, no, no. I'm saying, but yeah, but like every no. time, the, the anytime he puts out new IPs, they do very well. But it's not like they're right. doing it on the level of you know in in the a Disney stuff, the big stuff. So it's like, in some ways, this would be the worst movie to come out there. But in other ways, it's like, well, it's not expected to break the bank in that way, anyways, right? Like sacrificial lambs are going to be necessary in order to like get people back. But I feel like the lambs need to be of consequence enough to actually motivate people to I- go. I wonder if this is a move to like grab the attention and everyone be talking about Tenet in a hopes Which that is smart. it becomes like an Oscar like darling like when kind people, of thing. Yeah, exactly. When people think Oscars twenty twenty, the only movie for best picture that they're thinking about is like, oh well Tenet, you know. Yeah. I mean yeah. And, and you gotta mm, imagine that they're they're pushing for that. Um we'll see if this happens. I I don't believe that Tenet is gonna hit theaters july 17th or whatever it was um in any meaningful way but it just seems so silly for them to be for him to be actively campaigning and i understand that like he's not to the point where they're like there's infomercials and stuff but Mm -hmm. like it sounds like he wants it to happen and it's just like 
I don't know. I don't think that people are going to rush to the movie theaters. Like, I think that there's going to, yeah. I think you're going to get a small, I think you're going to get people that are going to rush to movie theaters because there's already people that are like clamoring to get back yeah, to but... hair salons and stuff like that. Not that I think that that's the Nolan crew of people necessarily. Right. But I think that a Nolan movie could push some people that are on the edge of like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like people that are committed enough to liking his movies to want to see it in theaters. Right. I mean, that's, that, if it's smaller but, like, movies, is that enough to be a big deal? But like, if you put smaller movies out there, I think those are the ones that people are going to be like, man, not worth it at all. Mm-hmm. So I do think that you kind of have to come out with a big hitter to get people motivated to go. It I would motivate think... me in a way that like I would never even think of going to see a smaller title. But with mm-hmm. this, it's just like, would I end up going in July? Probably not. I don't think that I feel comfortable with that. But at some point, I'm going to have to feel comfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, it's and I just... feel like that's the one that would make you think about it more yeah. than like if they were like, hey, we're going to put Trolls World Tour, like any of the ones that they've put out digitally to try and do like a theater run for or something. I don't know. I just yeah. feel like July is too soon. Like I could see that happening in like September or August, but I feel like July it's still too fresh. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I doubt it, but we'll see. Um, next up, some fantastic news for all of us. Dave renewed for season two as it becomes FX Network's highest ranked comedy series ever. Um, fueled by strong digital viewing, FXX's new comedy Dave has been a breakout, and now the series, co-created by and starring Dave Bird, aka Lil Dicky, has been renewed for a second season, which will premiere next year. Let's go, baby! Oh, twenty twenty one. Yeah. The recently concluded first season of Dave has officially become the network's most watched comedy series ever with an average episodic audience of 5.32 million and growing total viewers to date, uh, VOD and streaming. It eclipsed the previous FX record holder, Atlanta, which averaged 5.2 million total viewers on all platforms in its first season. Um, So super cool stuff, man. I'm very excited about this. I can't wait to see where they go with season two because season one was so fantastic and sets everything up into such a great place that I can't wait to continue with these characters. And I think that the, the, the ante is only going to get upped. And I think that season two, he's going to have something to prove. I'm so excited. This is, this is really cool and good news. Yeah. I, for me, it's interesting because I feel like it's really easy for me to get into season one of a show and really like it. And if shows don't come like really swinging hard at the beginning of season two it's very easy for me to drop off and be like man it's not as good but i feel like dave is one where like i don't worry about that at all like i can't imagine that he's not going to bring the same level if not amplified even more to season two and like with all the like advert not advertising but like all all the talk about it i can't imagine that like they're not going to get crazier and crazier guests too which is yeah who they had in season one What'd you say, I said, can you guys imagine the pressure of like having a, a very, very successful show and be like, all right, do it again. Do See, it my more. Thing, my thing with this and with uh, we talked about it, I think, in an interview a couple weeks ago where he was talking about like there were so many ideas they had that they had to hold back because he shouldn't be that famous yet or like they shouldn't be going that hard. Not because they don't want to one up themselves, but just because it doesn't make sense contextually. Mm-hmm. I have full faith that there is not a full plan, but there's enough of a plan that they have enough things that are going to feel fresh and ridiculous and make us go, oh, my God, the same way season one has consistently so many different episodes. It's exciting. I love it. Me too. Um, moving on. 
Here we go. Bad Boys 4. We got an update, baby. Producer Jerry Bruckheimer shares some new details. He said, we had a great experience on the first one. Um, specifically talking about the third one, technically. Uh, <laughs> both through the development process with Tom Rothman, the chair of Sony, and his team. And then through the editing process and filming process. We put together, along with their help, a movie that's very satisfying for the audience. And we'd like to do it again. And I think they'd like us to do it again. We're currently working on a draft for the fourth one. Let's go, baby. I'm in. Oh, man. I can hear the excitement of Josh McCuga all the way. Hell yeah. Way. Bad boys for life. You, They've ruined it, though, by calling. I know. Do you think that they're just going to commit and call it that, though? Bad boys for life, too. Yeah. Again. Bad Semi-colon. boys forever. Oh, gosh. Bad boys forever would be dope. It would be. <laughs> it's so stupid, <laughs> but I'd, I'd fucking love it, though. I can see him doing it. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, cool news. Not really news. It's just more like kind of obvious things this movie did very well so sequel it's still number one sense. i would assume right for this year i mean it must be right i don't think anything could beat it god it's such a so upsetting because nothing's <laughs> been released so if it was number one it's still number one um but guys i have some news for you that is truly bizarre all right okay i'm excited i don't look at the show notes beforehand so this is fun so eric goldman my, my former uh-huh. co-worker from, from IGN, he's now um, over at Fandom. He tweeted out, with the network's needing product, Fox is going to begin airing the little seen Bad Boys spinoff series, <laughs> LA's Finest, on Mondays this fall. LA's Finest is a Spectrum original, and you've probably never watched a Spectrum original, which is why this is a smart play. So I was like, what the fuck is this? Is and this I looked, the Jessica Alba one? Jessica Alba and Gabriel Union, who yeah. is... Who plays her character from Bad Boys 2. This is when legit this? in the Bad Boys universe. And an entire season of the show happened on Spectrum last year. It's now going to play on Fox. And there's a new season. What the hell? What Spectrum? the hell? I don't know what the fuck Spectrum is. I think it's one of those weird ass like digital only TV things that no one hears about. Because they're not really successful. But there's a lot of money put into it. Like Go90. Oh. So it's the sister. So weird. And Jessica Alba. Yeah. I mean, I never watched the Bad Boys movies when you guys did an interview. Is she is Jessica Alba in this at all, or is she just no. new? Jessica Alba's not, okay. but Gabriel but Union is the sister of Martin Lawrence. But this okay, also could mean that in the future, Jessica Alba's going to be in it. Totally. Yeah. But this is just, <laughs> this is so bizarre, where it's like, I just straight up, and granted, you know, Bad Boys is to Josh McCougar what Fast and Furious is to me, so I would know this if it was about Fast and Furious. I'm new to the Bad Boys lifestyle, but... I just find it kind of crazy that there was a there's this whole piece of content that exists in the cinematic world of Bad Boys with Jessica Alba, and we did a whole interview, and no one wrote in facts for no me. One to, to no one said anything. No one said anything about this. Like, how is that real? Well, again, it was one season on this platform called Spectre that we've never heard of. Spectrum. Oh, what you see that? I didn't even know what the actual name was. But anyway, Gabrielle Union, Jessica Alba, Zach Guilford, who was in Friday Night Lights, and Ernie Hudson, with among others, which is like a a cast of a lot of people that are well known <laughs> for us to know weird. nothing about it. Anyway, and just look at like it's using the Bad Boys font and everything. I don't know. Anyway, go check it out. LA's finest <laughs> coming to Fox near you. Um, speaking of TV channels here, YouTube TV is adding 14 cable networks from Viacom CBS under an expanded pact. Um, this has been a long time coming. YouTube TV's uh, service I've been using for a, a while now, mainly to get ABC. 
Um, and it's been great. I really like it, but there's a weird lack of big channels that have, has always surprised me when I'm, I'm trying to really like... excited because the, there's one channel in specific, like specifically that uh, it's been lacking that I want to see if it's got on here. So the, the network's adding BET, CMT, uh-huh. Comedy Central, MTV, right. Nickelodeon, Paramount Network, TV Land, VH1, BET Her, MTV2, Nick Jr., Nick Tunes, Team Nick, and MTV Classic. Mm-hmm. Huh. What was the one you were waiting for, Kev? I want CNN. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, it's not that. <laughs> Just not what I would have expected you to say. <laughs> really? Like, oh, I, I'm really waiting for a channel. I was expecting some, like, AMC, like, something that's, like, premium no. content. Nope. No, CNN. CNN. <laughs> the but, Paramount uh, Network one is interesting because I feel like they do some cool stuff. Like, they did, like, the cool Patrick Swayze documentary, but, like... No cable packages with like anybody that I checked with ever had it. Yeah, so it's like kind special. of an interesting. It's yeah, it has specialty stuff, but it's weird to see it roped in with so many like high level things. Joey, I think you might be using the mic on your headphones. Just a well, heads up for you. Give a tappy tap on this one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, 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 definitely, for sure, for sure. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, but yeah, this is this is good news. You know, I, I want YouTube TV to be a little more fleshed out than it currently is. It it works well, but it could definitely work better. Um, I've been loving it for the last dance. That's for damn sure. Huh? Uh, People in the chat are saying CNN is on YouTube TV. Mm. Does this sound any better? Yes. Tap another tap though. No. Nope. <laughs> Sounded like it sounded better you, though. Do you do you know how to do it? No. You go into Discord settings. Oh, I already did that, and it's oh, really? on this. Whoa. That's weird. I, it's not. Yes. It's not terrible. It just sounds a little bit different than us. I'm also wearing my wireless headphones, so there's a little bit of a delay. So I'm trying really not to get like confused by it. Good lord, Kevin. <laughs> Good fucking lord. What a sentence. Um, next story. We're talking about M. Night Shyamalan. He set the cast Ooh. for his next movie. And uh, it's pretty exciting stuff, guys. So uh, Shyamalan recently executive produced Servant, a horror fiction series for Apple TV+. Um, but Shyamalan will write, produce, and direct an untitled, untitled film, which will be released by Universal Pictures. Like most Shyamalan films, plot details are shrouded in secrecy and can become inter- and we'll see if they become interconnected later. Um Shyamalan, wait, hold on. Creep's breakout role in Paul Thomas Anderson's romance drama Phantom Thread launched her career, having later appeared in The Last Vermeer and The Girl in the Spider's Web. So that K-R-I-E-P-S is the actress that they're talking about there. Um, Vicky Creeps. Uh, Eliza Scanlon, Thomason McKenzie, Aaron Pierre, and Alex Wolf. Most of these names you might not recognize, but if you saw them, you'd be like, oh shit, that's pretty damn cool. Um, we got yeah, Eliza Scanlon, I think, was like the other sister in Little Women that wasn't one of the big and themes. She one. was the other sister in Little Women. She was also in Sharp Objects, the HBO mm, show. Yeah. Um, Mackenzie was in the, was the girl from Jojo Rabbit. Oh, okay. Oh, she's cool. Yeah. And then Wolf is uh, the guy from Hereditary. Yeah. yeah. The older brother. And also he was in um, Jumanji. Jumanji. That's yes. a good name. Yeah, it is. Who's Wolf his brother? In real Fox. life? Isn't his brother somebody like <laughs> somebody also important? I don't know. Let's look it up. Alex Wolf. Relatives, Nat Wolf. 
Oh, oh it's like a type on. of bug. That's less he's cool. a Nickelodeon kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, the Naked Brothers Band. Cool. Cool. Um, next news story. Anyway, I'm just excited about that. I like M Night Shyamalan 50 percent of the time, and I hope this one's a hit. <laughs> um, God, I, I, sorry, I was it. just gonna say I don't know that I'm excited about it because it's one of those things where it's like I feel like he gave me two movies that I like, which were Split and uh, The Visit. Mm-hmm. And then the movie after that, Glass. Glass, didn't do it for me. So a key thing to keep in mind there is Glass was self-financed by him. and Yeah, but it was a have... story I had a problem with. No, totally. But it didn't have nearly the, the budget or time of, like to even just become a movie, even like with scripting, that these other ones were backing of Universal. But mm-hmm. I'm with you that it was definitely a letdown. Damn, Glass. Has anybody oh, watched it? his series on Apple TV? The one about mm-hmm. the little servant, servant. Yeah, yeah, servant. that's the one where there's a nanny, Rupert Grant, and she has to take care of like a toy, right? I think that's the boy. I don't know if that's the same as. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same premise as the show. No, well, yeah, but boy is is no. I I think it's the same premise. Okay. I I get that they're similar. <laughs> okay. Next news story: San Diego Comic Con 2020 announces summer at home event. Uh, just a few weeks after we learned SDCC 2020 has been canceled for the first time in 50 years, it looks like the team behind the world-renowned convention is cooking up something. On Friday, the Comic-Con team shared a video announcement on Twitter and their YouTube page regarding a special at-home event, uh, which will take place virtually. The video is short and uh, somewhat enigmatic as it teases the forthcoming event called Comic-Con at Home. Uh, it has just a bunch of text really looks pretty shitty if i'm being honest i'm um, saying coming soon free parking <laughs> comfy chairs personalized snacks no lines pets welcome badges for all and a front row seat to comic-con at home uh pretty fun like i, I like it as an idea but there's not yeah. enough news here to actually be exciting um i think that this is going to lean more towards smaller panels and some weird little interesting tidbits here and there that's more for like the hardcore fans i don't think this is going to be all h digital um Which would be we'll so cool. maybe 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 i'm wrong and i feel like you know this is kind of looking at the the entertainment side of the industry that we're so used to talking about the the video game um events and e3 and how that's transitioning into this new summer game fest world um but what's getting it, busy yeah totally with all of these festivals and stuff coming up but with comic-con with the you know movies just work differently so i'm, yeah. I'm interested to see what if anything comes from this that we will care about are you thinking it's going to go more like when the festivals were like putting stuff on Amazon Prime where like no one really? I think it's going to be more like to go back to the gaming thing, more GDC than E3. Mm. You know, it's like yeah. it's, I don't think it's going to be the Hall H stuff. I think it's going to be like I feel like a lot of the like reunions and all that stuff we're just kind of seeing because of quarantine times now anyway. It's like uh, recently with the community thing and all that. So interesting stuff um skipping that one moving on to some batman updates it's not really news or anything but i I did think this was fun um specifically because the the headline for this over on collider is andy circus teases the batman with intriguing new story details and when i saw this i was like what the fuck does andy circus have to do with batman i was like he's directing venom do you guys remember what circus is doing with batman no he's alfred huh and then I was like, did we oh, yeah. know this? Yeah, we did know this. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. We've just been talking about the Batman for so long now. But yeah, and Andy Serkis is going to be out. I don't remember and, this at all. 
and I'm, I'm pretty interested in that. So, so here we go. In a recent exclusive from Lad Bible, Circus shared two brief teases about the Batman. The first one focusing on the tone of the movie. Circus seemed to confirm fellow Batman cast member Colin Farrell's past comments about the tone of Reeves' story, telling Lad Bible this new Batman story will be darker than previous versions of the story, and went on to remark, I would say that's not far from the truth, which is the lamest news story ever. Uh, <laughs> How much darker is yet to be made clear, um, but it sure sounds like Reeves' Batman will now be competing with Nolan's Batman trilogy for the title of the darkest Batman story. Additionally, Circus shared some insights in the story as it relates to Alfred and Bruce. Um, Circus told Lad Bible, it's very much about the emotional connection between Alfred and Bruce. That's really at the center of it, and it's really exquisite script that Matt has written. That's the thing that I feel um, is kind of most exciting about this. Like, I like the idea of this being a dark take on batman that is kind of setting out to be different than what we've seen already with dark knight and focusing on the characters of bruce and alfred i think could be very interesting we we saw it a bit in the trilogy but i think that you know kind of condensing it down and andy circus is awesome you know like he's done so many like great roles and stuff and i feel like he has a, a, a great voice when it comes to being an actor and i think that he can really give a character to alfred um, that is radically different than what we've seen before because I think that when it comes to the last two interpretations of Alfred, for sure, they've knocked it out of the park, right? Yeah, Even in those Batman are big Superman. Yeah, like, like he, he did great. Yeah, I agree. You, I think you need somebody that has, obviously, the experience and, like, he does such random, like, projects kind of all over the place that I feel like he's going to, he wouldn't be for he won't be afraid to like make this into his own interpretation of uh alfred and not just kind of continue the character as it's been established this yeah. is kind of a silly question maybe but like so this is completely unconnected to any of the other batman movies in the dc yeah huh i'm very intrigued by this whole movie to see it's, it's uh, just... for, uh, like with all the talk around it and what it's actually going to yeah. be i'm i'm interested in it but it's just one of those things where it's like I'm more interested in DC and like it seems like they just don't have long term plans, you know, where they're just like, we're going to keep making random movies that aren't connected to other movies. And it's like, that's fine. Well, I think that's their long term plan. Like, I think they're kind of committing to that where it's like they're not trying to do the interconnected universe thing anymore. They're like, hey, look, we found success with Joker. And it's like, that's kind of like, well, our lane. We should stay in our lane mm. <laughs> and like keep doing that. Yeah. Um, I just feel like that puts a lot of pressure on, like, hey, you better better make each movie amazing, you know? I hope so. I mean, yeah. that should be the goal, right? Yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's the weird thing is, like, uh, everything I just said is kind of in contradiction to the fact that, okay, we have Wonder Woman. We know we have Shazam, too. We know we have uh, Flash coming out. And, like, what will those movies end up being? Because they already are part. Like, how do you take stuff out of a cinematic universe that already exists? And I think it's. I mean, not they've done such a do. good job of not including, like, the, you know, not making these movies connected or feel connected. But then the making them good part is the next key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, been the first that's, the, key. that's the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, speaking of some good movies here, though, guys, got some happy death day stuff for you. <laughs> so uh, Jessica Roth was, was interviewed, and this is another kind of non-story, but I just thought it was interesting stuff. Um, she was being interviewed about a new movie she is in, uh, some 80s-themed thing that is called Valley Girl. Um, okay. And apparently it's not reviewing that well, so I'm not that interested in it. But what I am interested in is Happy Death Day, and they asked some questions about that. This Collider said, you were so good in the Happy Death Day movies. Is there any chance that we'll see a third? Is that something that you'd like to see happen? 
She said, I'd love to see that happen. I know that the incredible, brilliant genius Chris Landon has a third one in his brain. I would really love to get to finish Tree's story. We didn't know we were going to get to make a second one, but then once we did, we definitely left it open for a third. I know that we all also feel really passionately that if we're going to make it, we want to make it right. And we want to make it incredible and raise the bar again in terms of genre bending and the quality of the movies and the story. Hopefully we'll get to do it and hopefully we'll get to make it in the right way. Um, and then the, the interviewer said, yeah, there's definitely fan desire for a third one. And she was like, I also have to say, though, that if in 20 years I get to pull a Jamie Lee Curtis a la Halloween and just barge back into the scene as a badass older tree, I'm not going to be mad at that. I'm ready for it now. I'm ready for it then. That's <laughs> dope. That's, go. A great, that's a great way to end that. <laughs> yeah, those she movies comes, are so much fun. They they're are, man. So, they're way better than they should be. Yeah. And like the second one, I was pleasantly surprised by because I like I was like, how are they going to do this again and not make it like just retreading the same thing? And they did a really, really good job. Yeah. If there's a third one, you guys can guarantee we're doing that day in review for sure. (laughs) No matter if it's next year or 20 years, 20 years from now, we'll be there. (laughs) Um, One of the last stories here is for you, Joey. We got a trailer for Netflix's The Babysitter's Club. Okay, so I saw this. We've been watching a lot of movies together this weekend, and so I saw it like go through my feed at one point. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited. Is it a weird show to be excited about? Kind of. But I just loved the babysitting book so much as a kid. I had like all of them, and they would like go on like these weird RV camping vacations and write the bigger books about them, and they had the cool holographic colors. It was the best. Uh, I don't know anything about this. The show premieres on Netflix July 3rd with 10 half-hour episodes. Here's the synopsis for you to, to get you a little more educated, Joe. Okay, Netflix's you. new series, The Babysitter's Club, is based on the best-selling beloved book series that follows the friendship and adventures of Christy, Marianne, Claudia, Stacy, and Dawn as the middle schoolers start their babysitting business in the town of Stony Brook, Connecticut. Rounding out the cast, Alicia Silverstone plays Elizabeth Thomas Brewer, the selfless single mother of Christy Thomas and love interest of all-around good guy Watson Brewer, played by Mark Furstein. Anne M. Martin, the series author and show producer, conceived the idea of these inspiring young girls with different backgrounds, personalities, and opinions that were brought together by a business venture they created and bonded through the friendships they forged. The adaptation of the contemporary dramedy that continues to champion friendship, female empowerment, and entrepreneurship uh, was led by Rachel Skort, who did Glow. Um, oh. And uh, Lucia Anilio, who did Broad City as executive producer and director. So, That's pretty dope. I'm I'm feeling those yeah. those the team there. So uh, it, I watched the teaser. It doesn't speak to me necessarily, um, yeah. but it definitely has a a early '90s aesthetic to it. Um, a lot of very bold okay. colors. Um, Love it. A lot of young girls. So <laughs> Joey, this I'm, might might get I'm you gonna going. I'm going to watch it. Sure. Whether it's it's like when they did the Fuller House reboot. Like, of course, I'm going to watch it. I don't know that I'm going to like continue to watch it if they make more. But Anna, like, respect the og series you know join the club baby join the club <laughs> you'll love to see it um and then the the two more news stories that i want i want to get to um this is a weird one but the mandalorian season two is gonna have boba fett and he's gonna be played by uh tomorrow morrison who did Django fett in the prequels kevin how does this make you feel confused What's our timeline here? Where where are we at? Isn't this five seven years, years post Jedi? So, as far as we know, Boba Fett dead. Yeah. So this is either Boba Fett survived, or f- some sort of different Boba Fett. 
So we'll we'll see. I mean, if it's if it's the clone, that would make sense. Or actually, that wouldn't make sense because Boba Fett we've seen was a different. Well, I don't fucking know. He was an unaltered clone <laughs> of yeah. Django Fett, but they only made so one then, of those. So they could look similar when they grow up. That yeah. would make that would make that would check yeah, out. Yeah, that would check out totally. Um, but I, remember, I, this was teased in season one with the Spurs, right? In that in the Gunslinger episode, and everyone's like, "Is that Boba? That doesn't make sense. They can make it make sense because they can do anything they want." Sure, Darth Maul's back. I I didn't like. I didn't like season one. I hope I like season two more. The text yeah. cool. What I don't like about this is that they announced it. Yeah. Yeah. Like this definitely stuff. That I'm just like, yeah, that would have been a cool reveal. Right. And I get that they announced it because this would have been leaked and spoiled anyways, but it's like, but I mean, baby Yoda wasn't. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. And I mean, I guess the difference here is that like, it's not Disney officially announcing this It's just still just like Hollywood reporter reporting on this. But they didn't report about Baby Yoda. But I guess it's harder to report him because he wasn't cast. <laughs> I mean, someone you know I mean? probably did his voice. I wonder who. I want to know. I'll get on it. Um, and then the the last news story. This is another weird one that could probably turn into absolutely nothing because it's just an actor saying things that he's probably not privy to. Um, Tom Holland? No. No, no. We got Michael Douglas talking a little bit about um, Ant Man three. Um, he was asked some questions on Instagram live and he did a 26 second video where he's just like, look, I can't tell you anything. The Marvel guys will get me, but you're getting to hear something soon about Ant-Man 3. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, cool. It's a <laughs> so, weird thing. Yeah. Ant-Man 3, not officially announced yet, but we can all assume it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so him talking about it, at least he, you assume knows more about it um this sparked up a whole bunch of just kind of theorizing and rumors about what ant-man 3 is going to be and like we've talked about this before that like the the kind of running idea is that ant-man 3 is going to focus on the young avengers and kind of like bring them into play um with casting and all that stuff and interweaving with the disney plus shows but another interesting thing that was brought up from this somehow in the comments and we'll fucking see but the potential idea of the movie being Ant-Man and the Fantastic Four, which could be a pretty cool way to bring them into the franchise, not put too much focus on them, kind of have the established brand of Ant-Man of people knowing what, like being excited about that and the quality of that. Um, and it also would make sense if they go with a more 60s version of the uh, Fantastic Four family, interweaving that with Michael Douglas's Ant-Man timeline. I don't know. Cool stuff. I just put it there just because I wanted to say all that. Um, But before we move on to what we've been watching, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Honey. Uh, Why is it so hard to find coupon codes that actually work? Thanks to Honey, it doesn't have to be. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. Honey automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes online shopping finally feel as easy as it's supposed to be. I recently um, ordered some art prints to finally put on the wall over here um on redbubble.com and guess what i saved a ton of money because i got 20 percent off thanks to honey just making things happen i didn't even need to do anything i installed honey a long time ago and it just automatically does the work for me when i'm checking out it finds the best codes it asks me if i want to apply them. of course i do i'm saving money it's that easy honey has found over 
Uh, it's over 18 million members, over $2 billion in savings. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. They're adding more every day. It's crazy. Things from Target, Best Buy, Sephora, Macy's, e eBay, Etsy, Walmart, all the way down to things like Redbubble, like I'm talking about. Um, you just wait a few seconds for it to scan every promo code on the internet. Next thing you know, you're saving money. Not using Honey's literally passing up free money. It's free to use and installs in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash morning. That's joinhoney.com slash morning. It's free, guys. Just do it. Do it. Do it. Let's talk about what we've been watching, guys. What do you want to start, Joey? I accidentally need my mic. Uh, we've been watching so many things. Let's start with Idle Hands. Yes. It's a, it's a great thing to start. The classic, the Devin Sawa classic movie, Idle Hands. I haven't seen it for at least a decade. You have never seen it. Gia's never seen, seen it. it. What were your thoughts for the first um, time? So there's definitely things in there that don't hold up. But <laughs> overall, wise. I totally get why 90s versions of all of you loved it. And... It's like it's fun. Like I can understand that. Like, yeah, it probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be made the same way today. But like, it was fun, and it's a dumb stoner comedy, which like I generally like in terms of genre. Uh, the Seth Green and the other guy from the Mighty Ducks, whose name I never remember, Who's they the were Mighty super Ducks? fun. <laughs> so offended by that question like, she left <laughs> every episode and i don't know why the episode Joey, I it happened in a way that you you seemed like you were offended by my mighty ducks question <laughs> and he was just like i'm out no i can't believe kevin doesn't know the mighty ducks well enough to know that guy he's the other bash brother but he has like dark hair oh my god you're right i mean he's yeah. super young also also true um jessica alba super weird like her role is so weird good. uh the whole devin Sawa's like acting against himself i think is really fun in like a the physical comedy kind uh, of way remember when he i had a great time fingers? oh well, well i guess the finger sharpens itself yeah yeah, it was interesting watching the movie for the first time in so long because I feel like watching a lot of uh, 90s comedy movies, like they very, very rarely hold up. Like it is, there's something about the 90s in particular that just, because I feel like the 80s comedies, the real classics had like a timeless feeling to them. That it's like, I don't know, even I feel if it's like we're watching some of them, you're like, oh man, that's just rape. That joke no, you're totally. making is just rape. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. But I'm saying that I feel like there are some standout ones that like they they feel like they're defining that era, but like are still relevant today. And it's like timeless within the time capsule. Whereas like, other ones can't hardly wait. Like well, that was 90s, right? No, I know. I, I was oh. just throwing can't hardly uh, wait out. It's a classic. But but I feel like the with a lot of the 90s movies, when I rewatch them, I'm just like, man, these are just bad. Like they just like the, some of the Adam Sandler movies like you watch and it just it makes me sad how the things that I thought were funny. I'm nostalgic for it, but like it just doesn't hold up. And it's not just because of the language. It's it's because like it, it isn't good. And Idle Hands, well, I'm not arguing. I, I don't know that that's, great movie. that's necessarily true. I think sometimes it is in a big part because of the language. I, I don't know if some of these movies like aren't good like mall rats which is great but y'all saw the wrong version i mean 
that's a, a topic for a different show, but <laughs> it also is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, where it's like some of these things just you can't speak to it, Tim. You can't speak up. to it. Um, but Idle Hands is something that I was surprised by being so non-conventional in its storytelling of it being it's a comedy for sure, but it's also a horror movie. Like it's it is a lot scarier than I, I remember. And they they lean into some very interesting things. You guys watching it for the first time didn't know what was going on i think that's good where yeah. it's like you were surprised by the twist surprised by the reveals of what was happening with anton's character and i'm like i to me it's so straightforward because i know what happens but i've never seen a movie that kind of handles its plot this way where the when the reveals happen in a horror comedy way it works on both genres yeah so. And I, hands. It's pretty impressive. I guess the way that I heard you guys talk about it of like, oh, yeah, like I understand that you guys used to watch it around Halloween or whatever, but I didn't expect it to be this much horror as much as I just expected it to be comedy. I also didn't. I there was somewhere in my brain that I thought this hand was like a separate character. I didn't realize it was also Devin Sawa. It, yeah, but like, it turns, like a it, Adam's it be, family kind of shit. It becomes its own character. Totally. Yeah. But like, I didn't realize how, the evolution when he puts of the it. puppy, the puppet on. Oh yeah. yeah! What a weird movie that. Is. And like, movie. I was expecting the whole first segment with like the parents and stuff like that. Totally thought that that was going to be like a prank, and that's how you're going to set the thing of like he's this prankster, and then it, he's not. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, just much how darker. the horror part starts. Much darker. Uh, speaking of that, I, there's another movie I want to talk about that we watched uh, in the last week, which is Single White Female, a movie I have never seen before, and it is fucked up man yeah it's, it's a wild. horrifying 90s movie joe you want to give the pitch on this one yeah so it's this girl who uh finds out her boyfriend is like cheating on her or talking to somebody else so she kicks him out of the apartment and she puts an ad in the classified saying that she's looking for a new roommate which is where single white female comes from um and this girl comes in and moves in with her and then the girl is like not as normal as you would think that she is um, if you've ever seen The Roommate <laughs> that came out, I don't know, probably in the last 10 years with uh, the girl from Gossip Girl and the girl from Friday Night Lights, whose names I never remember. It's like a very similar vibe of just like, oh, all of a sudden this girl like starts to totally try and morph into the original girl kind of a thing. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Ingrid Goes West as well that came out a couple Oh, of, yeah. But um, less of a less comedic. Even totally. This is like very fair share of fucked up 80s things. thriller. But it's fucked thriller. up. Like it's a it's a scary ass movie that like when shit's happening, you're like, damn, this this could happen, and that's horrifying. Yeah, um, and it's crazy that it's that has been like a not a trope necessarily, but like a theme for so long that it, there's always been this like, oh, someone could just like try and take over your life and your identity kind of thing. Yeah, Kev, I think it's totally worth watching. Yeah, Especially if good. you like, I thought it was fun. If you like stuff like Fatal Attraction and like all of those kind of vibes. My boy Prince last week hit me up and was like, bro, The Lodge is on Hulu. You should watch it. And I was like, all right. I've been wanting to watch this horror movie for a while. I think I, watched I think I like horror movies, guys. I didn't know. Oh, welcome. You know what I mean? Like, I like I Paula made me watch a whole bunch. And I think I'm in because, like, man, this movie's fucked up. It is. I, I, it really is the the less you know the better. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about it, but I think it's worth watching. It's on Hulu. Didn't seem that long. It's just fucked up. It's a fucked up movie. <laughs> that uh, how does it compare makes... 
to something like an Ari Aster movie. <gasps> it's in, terms in that of vein. Horror. It's, it, okay. It's in that vein, yeah. Um it's that sort of style where it's kind of uh hmm, there's less not there's less like not magical stuff, but yeah, like magic doesn't play. It's more of a psychological thing. Got and it. uh just watching it is like it's an uneasy uncomfortable experience that at the end kind of leaves you like that fucking all right i guess that's how that ends and, and, but like in a but good in a way, way yeah in a satisfying way where you're like all right i like why did i think that it could be like things could go smoother than the way they went yeah i highly recommend it um two things that i watched on disney plus this week were prop culture and uh the disney gallery mandalorian documentary um the disney gallery mandalorian thing there's two episodes out now i watched both of them it's real good kev like i think you should watch it as a star wars fan like they have such fun conversations the first episode is all the directors from mandalorian season one and i mean real talk i'll watch taika with tv talk about anything but hearing him talk about star wars is awesome um and season or episode two is kind of just going more into the legacy of star wars and Dave Filoni, who we've heard the name a million times, yeah. and I know we're not necessarily the group that's like super into Barry Clone Wars and, and Rebels. About him, though. Exactly. And it's like watching this, like I already knew, but it really gives context to this dude gets Star Wars on a level that no other human being does. And he respects George Lucas and all of George Lucas's decisions, all of them. Uh, to the utmost degree. Well, to and, be fair, he's also been working on like the Clone Wars era time thing for so long. But it you need to watch this because episode two, there's a like ten minute diatribe he goes on that he's just talking about why Duel of the Fates is important and what it actually is, and it is he just talks about Star Wars in a way I've never heard before. Mm. Like it. It adds so much context. It doesn't make anything better, in my opinion. But it, it at least gives context to what he's doing with Clone Wars and why people, you know, love those shows or whatever. But it's just like he's he fucking gets it, man. And I think that this show, this Disney Gallery Mandalorian thing, is really good content. I'm excited to keep watching. And I was originally kind of worried they were just going to stretch it out. Like eight episodes was unnecessary. But I think that with the direction that they're taking it, it's so far been fruitful content. Did they do this like, in contrast uh, too? Do they do that like just uh wide like all the episodes at one like binge release? Mandalorian's not. Oh okay. Mandalorian it's week to week for for the the Disney Gallery series. The gallery, okay, cool. Prop culture is all at once. I think it's eight episodes. They're all out. I watched one, and I just didn't like it. It's oh, the, that's such a bummer. I know because it's such a cool idea. It's the Disney Plus show where they they have this. Disney historian, for all intents and purposes, a collector of uh, movie props and movie like Hollywood related things, not just Disney. But um, they have him go and focus. Each one focuses on a different movie. The one I watched was the Who Framed Roger Rabbit episode. Oh, it's a good movie. And he has different props that they use in the movie. He'll go talk to animators that worked on it. He'll have actors um, like that. He interviewed Christopher Lloyd, which is really cool. Like um, it, it's in theory, it's really cool. It's just in execution, it feels kind of sterile and lifeless. Like, Interesting. It, it's very surface level, and I don't feel like I'm learning anything. Huh. It's kind of just like That's introducing, like, and now we're going to go to the animator, and it's just like, oh, man, this should be freaking awesome and and, and and informative and cool, but it kind of just feels like that's where the conversation ends. 
How you know, did it, how did it like compare to the um uh the, what, what what's the dude's name? They they had a Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that's it. Goldblum's show. It very different. Oh really? Um, okay, because I felt like it's a similar, similar vibe. Like, didn't it's a similar vibe for me where I'm stuff. like, this isn't hit and right. Where mm-hmm. it's like there's. It, and it does go back into the I didn't feel like I was learning anything and it's presented as if I'm supposed to. Yeah. Um, it is like that. It's just kind of it, it this feels very made for TV in a way that um we're just in a world now with documentaries that are the last dance, <laughs> which is like mm-hmm. making me care about basketball. Like you can't really fuck around, you know. Mm. Even when the Disney Gallery Mandalorian thing's happening at the same time, and it's a very different thing, it's much lower production. Like it's most of it is a round table of people talking, but it's yeah, but interesting cool. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's really so. cool people talking. Yeah. That's too bad. I, I know. To I was really excited I, for I that. I actually one. think that like this that. makes me want to watch it more. Like just the first episode to try it out. Pop culture? Yeah. Cool. I feel like that would I feel like this is a similar one where like I would pick and choose to watch one based on like if there were any movies I was interested in. I don't think That's I would what just I did. go through it. Yeah. Yeah, because they had uh, Mary Poppins was the first episode, and I was like, I'm mm-hmm. good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Tron. That's kind of cool. Like, there, there's cool, mm-hmm. cool IP for sure. But yeah. Yeah, Kev. The one other thing that I don't know if you've seen yet, but you're gonna want to watch. The Too Hot to Handle Reunion special. Well, Tim, is on I'm glad place. you brought that up because I didn't finish Too Hot to Handle until this weekend. Oh. Uh-huh. I only watched four or five episodes, and then this weekend we finished it. And I didn't realize the reunion episode hadn't released, like, is releasing oh, now. I thought it was, yeah. So, like, we, we got to watch it all straight before. <laughs> I can't. Oh, these people, man. <laughs> These fucking people. You know what I mean? This oh, they're real dumb. Uh, they're real dumb. Yeah, like yeah. the. It was interesting. The, the I didn't like the. It was unfortunate that the way they had to do the format for the reunion, uh, episode because I feel like having them all together may, is like it's better content because they get to interact with each other in a cool way. Where so now, here's the thing, Kev. Here's an interesting like we're we're having not a debate, but we're we have all debated the merits of having it done the way that it was because i agree with you the fun of a reunion special is having them all together and having that banter back and forth banter. Um, <laughs> which i still but, don't 100 percent understand what it is i don't either but i still I don't know that she knows the right it's charisma ahead. it's just it's, it's game it's just game but okay. um i feel like this allowed a focus to that actually like questions were posed and answered in a way that in traditional reunion specials questions are posed and then it just turns into blah, 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 yeah. Like screaming and uncontrollable. But that's nothing ever gets to watch done. than to hear people answer like simple math questions. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know though, because like that's the thing is reunion specials. I feel like, like even just looking at like the Bachelor ones, when they get out of control and then it's not fun anymore. Like it's fun when there's one on one kind of people yelling at each other, but then it, it never ends there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it just turns into like way too much. I like that this was short, kind of just gave us what we needed. We got some updates. We got some really awkward proposals that was horrible. Awful. But then, but then you get like the um, Shonda where I'm like. But it's like, give me more about that. Like, what happened? What happened Elaborate with that? a little bit more because it feels like you're hurt and he's just like, ah, it's fine. Sharon seems like, yeah, fine. It's fine. Yeah, Don't worry about it. And it's like, oh. See, like, I felt and like the that. think that she gave that up for David or gave up David for that. Yeah. Upsetting. It really is. 
I he seemed like he this. had some feelings there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like David. Um, anything else, Kev? Uh, no. As of right now, that's that's all I've watched. Still on the docket, I have to finish watching um, Altered Carbon, the cloning mm. show. Yeah. But there's a couple other things I want to jump into. The the one update I want to just reiterate again is God. The Last Dance is good. You guys should watch it. It's fantastic stuff. Joey, Gia, and I watched the one of the two episodes they put out last night. Very excited to finish tonight. Um, it is just it got done, too late, done? So, no, next week's the final two episodes. I'm so excited. Why do they release two at a time? Quarantine stuff. They're just trying to get the numbers up. I'm happy they do though, because it's just it's fucking good, man. It's really good. Ten out of ten, and I don't really care about basketball too much and like i have very little knowledge of 90s basketball it's really cool the timeline does get a little bit messy but all the stories they have to tell are super interesting i asked you guys to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write in what you've been watching during these quarantine times ricky mcfly says i've been watching miss america on hulu the cast is crazy and the character interactions really make it a worthwhile watch finishing up season two of sex education and just finished the michelle obama documentary becoming that's on my list too uh grant burton says i've been watching the first season of doom patrol it's a superhero tv show that really focuses on the characters rather than action the cast is great flashbacks do a good job of fleshing them out the show is also pretty funny and at times bonkers it isn't afraid to push things like having a donkey being the gateway to another dimension or a talking cockroach that wants world domination at 15 episodes it's too long and the cgi is really bad but it's a really fun show i recommend (laughs) to everyone to at least try do you have great review, back? Grant? I you're like not that. Telling us on it, but I like that you're being honest. In the donkey <laughs> to go to the other universe. Hey man, we'll have to watch to find out. Uh, Techie Haas says, "Hey guys, I watched Extraction, the Anthony Russo produced Netflix movie starring Chris Hemsworth. I liked it. The story's forgettable, but the action scenes are really good. The car chase one is amazing. Um, have you guys seen it? Also, thanks to Tim, I watched Dave, and now I'm a little Dicky fan. The show's so good. Thank you. Love you guys. Well, congrats, season two, baby." Joey was pitching me on Extraction. I was. I was trying to get you to watch it. speaking to me. I know. Because I wanted to watch it downstairs because it seems like if you're going to watch a movie like that, you should watch it with the cool sound and stuff. I'm I'm getting a little more warmed up to it because it seems like it's doing well. And like Mm -hmm. it's being well received. Not that it's great, but that it is fun. Yeah. I like that. Kev, I bought a movie that I'm excited to watch for the first time. Is it Knives Out? Oh, okay, cool. Have you seen this before? No, I haven't. I read the the manga though. I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, so there you go. Next week, continue to leave your recommendations or just what you've been watching. It's not necessarily recommendations. I want to know the bad stuff too. Okay. I, I like what Grant did here. Give me a real raw review <laughs> of something, good or bad. Just be honest. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, Wait, all right, real guys. Quick, real quick, I I uh, I bought knives out. Not too long oh. ago. I'm very excited to rewatch it. Tim, you haven't watched it, right? I did. Oh, you did? I saw it in theaters. Oh, yeah. never mind then. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I loved it. <laughs> it's like, a great really, movie. Really it's a great movie. Yeah, super fun. Um, a, can't wait for a sequel. Good. I don't know. It's great. It's great, Joey. It's great. You are I don't know. wrong. In fact, wrong. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to bounce out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't it ruin everything. Don't do it. <laughs> um, this has been Screencast. Thank you guys for joining us. 
We'll be back next week, um, probably at our normal scheduled day, which at this point is Thursdays. Um, this, there's, thank you for your patience when it comes to scheduling with stuff. There's been a lot of things going on, fumbling things around one way or another. We but, got some cool things coming up, including something that just got announced on our Twitter account. Really? Kind of Funhouse Week. Oh, cool. Great. We can finally talk about that. <laughs> That's happening. It's going to be the last week of May, starting with Memorial Day. We're doing a whole bunch of collaborations with Funhouse, both on their channel and on our channel. It's going to be super fun for everybody. Um, but yeah, until then, peace. Love you. Adios. <laughs>